0: Thank you, Tiffany. Hey, we do hope to see you next week at the beach. I know it's hot, but there's this wonderful thing by the ocean called a breeze, and we're going to lean into that uh, next Sunday from 5 to 7. We'd love to see you there, and uh, we had a great time last year when we did this and uh, just kind of connected with each other, and it's just a real casual kind of hangout time from 5 to 7 p.m. next Sunday. Hey, we're going to finish up this series that we've been in uh, called Summer at Hope. Um, all throughout the summer. And even though I know temperatures are going to say summer continues on week after week, we're pretending like summer is ending. And so we're going to wrap up the series today. And so I want you, if you have your Bibles in front of you or if you're following along on loop or on your phone on an app, if you'll go into the Old Testament to the book of Nehemiah, and that's where we're going to be today. Um, But to start us off, I I want you just to see this. And we're going to... This is going to be the focus of what we talk about this whole next 30, 35 minutes. And it's just simply this. God wants to use us for his purposes. God wants to use us for his purposes. Now, I say something like that. And some of you are like, well, I'm, I'm not so sure about that, Kevin, because you don't know my past. You don't know my history you don't know where i've been what i've done who i've done it with whatever the case may be. god you don't know that god god really can use me A- absolutely he can use you in fact he wants to use you So many times we're just kind of interested in our own survival. We want to just get through uh, this day or this week or this month or we want to get to vacation or we want to get to our job change or we want to get to our wedding day or we want to get to to retirement. We just are like, I I just want to get to this point. And so we're interested in our survival rather than God using us in the way that he wants to. He wants to use us for his purposes, and when you think about that, it's an incredible thing. Because the God that spoke the world into existence, the God that created everything, it took him six days. It probably could have taken him a day, but he did it in six. And we don't know if those are six days defined by how we define a day or if it's days in how God defines a day. And because a day to him is like a thousand years. And his time frame is a little different than ours. That same God, the same God that we worship today, the same God that we uh, gave praise and glory to, that same God wants to use you. When was the last time you thought about that? Kevin, uh, I don't know that I can be used. I don't have a lot of gifts or talents. No. God has a specific purpose for every single person that's listening to my voice today and he wants to use you. And the, the question for us is, are we going to allow him to? Are we going to position ourselves in a way that will, um, that will allow God to use us for his purposes? Every single person that is a follower of Jesus Christ, you've made that commitment to follow him. He wants to use you to accomplish his purposes. So we're going to walk through kind of this promise in action in, this, in the life of a man named Nehemiah, Uh, He wrote a book in the Old Testament that bears his name. We're going to look at his story from just the early part of it. Um, And I'll I'll fill in some details just for time's sake. But uh, we're going to walk through this promise in action in Nehemiah and and see the pattern that God uses for people to uh, fulfill his purpose. So Nehemiah chapter 1 is where we're going to start. And you can follow along with me. The scripture will be on the screen. It says this in verse 1. In the autumn in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign. And I, I, I joked last week with Stephen, and Stephen Creel, if you weren't here last Sunday, one of our elders did an amazing job speaking last week, really thankful and proud of him for taking that step. Um, whenever you see names like this, you just kind of say them fast, and people think you know how to pronounce them. And, and so, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign, I was at the fortress of Susa. Hannah and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. So what's happening right now in the nation of Israel, they're living in captivity. They've disobeyed God. They've turned their back on God. They begin to worship other idols and other gods and intermix with other peoples. All these things that God told them not to do. And so God allows them to be conquered. They get conquered by foreign countries and foreign kings, and now they are living as slaves in captivity. Does that sound like something that happened earlier in their history in the land of Egypt? It does, doesn't it? Because it was this cycle that they were always on. They would follow God for a little while, and then they'd get off track, and they'd, they'd go a different direction, and God would try to get their attention, and he'd, he'd turn them over to other nations and other kings. And so they are living in captivity with the Babylonians and the Persians, And um, Nehemiah is there in, in captivity as well, but he has a little bit of a different role. But he's wondering, how are things in my hometown? Because there was still a remnant of people left in Jerusalem. And so he's like, how are things going in Jerusalem back in the promised land? And that's where we kind of pick this story up with this question. And it gets me to kind of the first thing. That I feel like we need to do, looking at the pattern of Nehemiah and his life and how God used him for his purposes, we have to begin to question our questions. And I'm going to explain that, hopefully, in a clear way in a minute. See, so many times we're driven <laughs> to share what we share with our family and our friends by just some basic questions, right? Right. How am I doing? How was my day? How did how did work go? Um, are, are, are things going my way today? And those are th- there's nothing wrong with those questions. We ask those of our spouse. We ask those of our kids. Almost the first thing I do when I pick up one of my boys uh, or my daughter at school is how was school today? They get in the car. How was school today? Who else does that same thing? We all, we all do. It. We, they walk in the, how was work today? Or how was the meeting today? Or how, how did the proposal go? There's nothing wrong. But if those are the only questions we ask, something could be wrong. And we have to push back asking only those questions. Take out your phone. If you don't have your phone, take it out with me right now. I'm gonna take my phone out of my back pocket. Um, a lot of you have your phone in your hand. I want you to turn your camera on with me. And I want you to hold it out and um, hold your phone out and take a picture of yourself. OK, let's all take a, Let's all take a selfie right now. Just take it. I took one. I hope you guys did. The reason I had us do that together is not because we need to look at ourselves more um, or that we need to post on social media right now. It's this God's work in our lives is never a selfie. And let me explain what I mean by that. Yes, he, he does something inside of us. He, he works in us. He changes us. But it doesn't stop with us. It's not meant to stop with us. It's not meant to end with me and my deal and how I can be blessed and how I can, how I can do this and how I can do that. God always works in our lives and works in our favor so that we can go out and work and bless and impact other people for his purposes. It never stops with just a selfie. It just doesn't. God saves me, but, but then he saves me into, into a we, meaning it's, it's got to be more than just about myself. I want to ask you this question. When I say the word church, what comes to your mind? And we're going to all shout out our answer on the count of three. And just one, try to do one word, two words. When I say the word church, what comes to your mind? Let me hear you. One, two, three, Go. I heard some food. Someone said food. <laughs> maybe it's maybe it's my hearing from up here. What comes to your mind when you hear the word church? I, for some people, it's a building. You remember that little thing you do with your hands, where you go, "Here's the church. Here's the steeple. Open the door. Here's the people." Did you ever do that? I'm I'm probably the only one in here. Uh, as for some of us, it's this built. We think of a building. It's a church. Or it's an event on our calendar, an hour of the week or an hour and a half that we give to go to worship God and to see people and, and to hear from His Word. One of the things I love about God is, is, that, uh, is that He moves through us. He works in our life. He impacts us. He changes our, the way that we look at things. He changes our perspective because He wants us to turn around and, and He wants to use us to bless other people. And so some of the ways that we connect that to church or just a few, a few sayings that I'm going to give you, and you've heard me say some of these things before. They're not going to be new to you probably. And The first one is this, is the church is the hope of the world. Well, Kevin, I thought Jesus was the hope of the world. Yes, he is, but the church has been God's designation for how the world knows Jesus and meets Jesus. And so if a church isn't doing that, could it be that a church isn't doing what God's called it to do? The church is the hope of the world. It's the vehicle that God has chosen to spread his love and spread his message to a world that desperately needs it. And if you don't believe me that the world needs love and needs Jesus, just watch the news, look around you, get online, and it, the stories are endless. The church is God's plan A. There is no plan B. When, 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 and we're going to look at the scripture in Matthew a little bit later in the message, but we're, 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 the plan, we're plan A. You and me, the church, not a building, not an event, but the people that make up church. We're God's plan A. There is no plan B. He wants to use us. He wants to mold us and shape us. He wants to allow us and to help us bless and impact other people. And here's the third thing. The church has to exist for people who aren't a part of it yet. And should it exist for those of us that are here? Yes, it should. It, it, it should. It, it, it's, it's for us, but it can't just be for us. I've been a part of churches that were just for the people who were already there. And a lot of those churches don't exist anymore. It's just the, because the church has to exist for people who aren't a part of it yet. Meaning your neighbors, your friends, my family members, those of us that don't know, those in our lives that do not know Jesus yet. That have not made a decision to follow him. It has to exist for people who aren't a part of it yet, as well as for those of us that are here. So we go back to the story, Nehemiah chapter one, we're in verse three. He asks about how are things in my hometown. They said to, they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. Now you see a problem there because. In ancient cities, the wall was everything. It had everything to do with the protection of the people. And the, the lifeblood of the city was the, the walls that protected it from outside. So there was this physical problem that was going on. The walls were in ruins. The city was falling apart. But can I suggest to you this morning that, that it wasn't just a physical problem. It was a spiritual problem. Because they had left their love for God a long time ago and began to worship other idols. So not only was it physically sitting in ruin, the nation of Israel spiritually was sitting in ruin. Verse 4, it says, When I heard this, I sat down and wept. In fact, for days I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. So here we have this man named Nehemiah who gets this report about what's happening in his home countries. Capital city, the promised land, Jerusalem. And they're like, listen, it isn't good. It's not something you would be proud of. It's not something that you'd want. It's not something that you'd think about. It it is a mess. And in that moment, he is deeply moved and bothered by this report that's happening over 600 miles away. And 600 miles to us doesn't feel like a, a, a huge distance because we hop in our cars and we go... 60, 70, 80. Hopefully not more than 80 miles per hour down the road. Um, some of us hop on planes and we travel much further than 600 miles. So we think about that. Not, but 600 miles in those days was a long, 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 long journey. He's bothered. He's moved. He's weeping. He's he's crying out to God. He's fasting. He's praying. And so that, that leads me to, to the second thing. We we have to question what questions we're asking, but secondly, we have to question the things that bother us. Because he's bothered by something that bothers God. Do, do you believe that God was bothered by the nation of Israel? His chosen people. Basically going, you know what, God, I'm not sure that we're going to follow you anymore. Is he bothered by the situation in Jerusalem and the walls being torn down? God's people were apart from him, and it bothered him, and it bothered the heart of God. Because there's this tension between what is and what could be. And how many times do we find that in our lives? In in a host of different ways. There's a tension between what is in our marriage and what could be. There's a tension between what is in our relationships that should matter to us and what could be. There's this tension that flows all the time. He is bothered by something that bothers God. And so the question we ask of ourselves is what really bothers us? What really, what really brings us to tears or gets us mad or frustrates us or makes us shake our head? I don't know if many of you... Um, ...watched recently the movie that came out a couple months ago called Sound of Freedom. If you, if you haven't, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a disturbing movie from the perspective of knowing that that's going on in our world. But I sat in that theater with Crystal watching the movie over a month ago. And, and, and um, from the very beginning of the movie, and I'm not here to publicize the movie, but just to give it as an illustration... Um, ...from the very first moments of that story being unplayed played out on the screen... Man, I, it bothered me to see what was going on and to read what was going to happen. You just kind of knew. If you knew what the movie was about and, and you, you, you kind of saw how things were being set up. I just sat there with this anxiety in my, in my gut, in my, in, in my stomach, just going, I, I'm watching this and I'm frustrated. And I know it's a movie, but it's actually happening out there to hundreds and thousands of kids across the world on a daily basis. What, what, and I, I just sat there, that, that, that bothers me. You know what else bothers me? People that drive different than I do, right? We've talked about that before. I'm not, a, they're not on the same, they shouldn't be on the same. We should not be as bothered by the way that other people drive on the same level as we're bothered by kids that are um, taken advantage of and abused and sold. It doesn't, you know, God's probably bothered by some of the driving. In fact, um, uh, one point in, in my in my journey working in churches, I worked at a church where we had church vans and the name of the church was on the side of the van, which I never thought was a good idea. Because uh, if you're driving poorly and it says blank, blank, blank with the name of the church on it, it's not a great advertisement as you cut someone off in traffic, right? They're not going, hey, I love the way that person drives. I'm showing up to their, their service on Sunday. It probably has the opposite effect. But God, God's bothered by some things. What really bothers us? Question, what bothers us? Nehemiah weeps and mourns and fasts because there's this holy discontent that comes in his, in his heart and his mind when he hears what's happening in his hometown. And so for us to really be bothered by something and for us to begin to enable our lives to be used for God's purposes, it's almost like this holy discontent has to be filled up into our mind and our heart. This I I can't stand to see the way things are. Something needs to be done about it, and I want to be a part of making a difference. And so we pick the story back up in verse 5 of Nehemiah chapter 1. And this is what what the Word tells us. It says, then he said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps His covenant of unfailing love with those who love him and obey his commands. Listen to my prayer. Look down and see me praying night and day for your people Israel. So he acknowledges God's greatness. He shares the fact that he's been praying. And then, then look what he does. I confess that we have sinned against you. Yes, even my own family and I have sinned. We have sinned terribly by not obeying the commands, decrees, and regulations that you gave us through your servant Moses. Verse 8. Please remember what you told your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful to me, I will scatter you among the nations. And that's what's going on right now. That's what's happened. That's the reality that they were living. They were scattered. But if you return to me and obey my commands and live by them, then... Even if you're exiled to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to the place I have chosen for my name to be honored. The people you rescued by your great power and strong hand are your servants. If there is a problem in the covenant, it is with us. So he begins praying for those in Jerusalem. He, he weeps, he mourns, he fasts. And I love what he says there. If there's a problem in this covenant, God, it's not you because you don't change. You're faithful. You're good. You're loving. You're honest. You're just. Your love knows no bounds. It, it, if there's a problem, it's, it's not God. It's us. And what do we tend to do when there's problems in our life? And I, I'll, I'm at the top of the list. When we encounter and experience a problem, we usually look for someone else to blame, don't we? I mean, it starts young as a kid, right? You blame your siblings for eating the last cookie that mom told you not to touch. You you, uh, you blame your siblings um, for uh, causing damage to the house. Uh, Crystal and I were dating, and she was a part of a... Uh, she was in college. I was um, out of college. I was working at a church. And she was a part of a uh, Christian fellowship called Chi Alpha, and they, they rented... Um, the press box for an event at Kyle Field, which is where Texas AM University plays their football games. And so we got to go up into the press box. We had it. It was an event. I don't even remember what the event was. But I, I was there as her guest. We were dating. We'd been dating for a while. And, uh, and I knew a lot of the guys and some of the girls in, in this campus ministry called Kyle Alpha. And so I, I was pushing a friend in a chair. And Crystal remembers this story. I, I was pushing them. I was—they had these nice chairs. We were rolling them through the press box, and I, I was going a little too fast, pushing this individual, and I ran into drywall, and we went through the drywall, the press box at Texas A&M. Can I tell you? I blamed the chair. I blamed the person in the chair. I blamed Jesus. I, bl- I, I blamed the Chi Alpha director. I blamed everyone, but I was the one pushing the chair. I went through the drywall. Listen, we, we blame lots of people for things, but if something is not where it needs to be in our connection to God, it's not that God has moved, it's that something's changed in us. And he's just acknowledging that here. He's saying, listen, God, God if, if, if there's a problem in the covenant, it's, it's with us, not with you. And then he, then he prays scripture that you can, you can find in, in, in the book of Deuteronomy. It's, it's from a scripture in, in a passage there. And so that leads me to this. And it's the third thing. And I want to just challenge us in this way. Um, as individuals and maybe even as a church, that we would begin to, to pray big, what I'm going to label as big prayers. We're, we're good at praying. And there's nothing wrong with these prayers. God bless me. God keep me safe. God, help me to pass this test. But I, I think when we, when we pray big prayers, it honors God. And it has the potential to change things. Not because we're doing something amazing, but because it's built on God's character, not on our performance. We line up with His plan and His purposes and His will. And we pray for things to be done that are based on His promises and wow, we see God move in some amazing, amazing ways. I had a professor in college say this, this, this quote, and I want to just share it with you, and it stuck with me. And he said this, as long as prayer is an option, stuck is a choice. Meaning as long as, as long as prayer doesn't happen in your life, if it might be an option on the menu, it might be something you choose to do. If you feel like it, or if you want to, or if you're in the mood, stuck is really a choice that you're making. We get stuck In our relationships, we get stuck in our relationship with God. As long as it's an option. It can't be an option. It has to be a necessity. In fact, Philippians 1.6 says this, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. That work that's talked about there is, is, is talking about a work where God's people do something that impacts other people. That, that, that God's working in me. He's changing me. He's growing me. I'm, I'm changing into a new person. And because I'm changing into a new person and because my my who I am is aligning with God's purposes, He's allowing me to accomplish some great things, individually and corporately. And sometimes we're just tempted to give up. We just feel like, God, I don't see you working. God, I don't feel your presence. God, I'm not sure that this is working. But God's not done working on us. He's not done reshaping us and molding us. I referenced this earlier, but Matthew 16, 18, it's a a famous passage. It just says this, Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and upon this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. The rock that's talked about there is, is the message, the gospel, the hope of Jesus Christ. Not specifically Peter, like some churches would try to say. Peter was an incredible instrument that God used. But the rock was really the message in the gospel of Jesus Christ the, that he is the way to God. That God's going to build his church on that, on the message and the hope that Jesus brings. Peter, you're going to be a huge part of it. And this, it's this amazing promise that says... I'm going to build my church, and hell's not going to be able to withstand it or stand against it. Romans eight twenty eight is a really familiar passage to many of us. And it says this. It says, we know that God causes everything. Say that word with me. Everything. Let's say it again one more time. Everything. You know what that word means in the Greek? Everything. Anyway, um, We know that it's the same in the Greek as it is in English. We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. If your life life is anything like mine, there are some things that have happened in my life that I look at and go, God, how in the world are you going to take this and use this for your purposes? For my good and your glory. Because it doesn't feel that way in the moment. It doesn't feel that way when, when life brings us something that we're not prepared for, or not expecting. But this is a promise that, that hey, I'm, God's going to cause everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And it may take longer than we think. Because how many know God does things on his timing, not ours, right? I Man, if I could just get God to sync with my Google Calendar, my life would be better, Right. God, can we just work that out that, you know, I've got plans on my calendar. Can you? It's not how it works. I wish it, I wish it did sometimes, but it doesn't. It may take longer than we think and we may not see it immediately, but God is sovereign and gracious and he's going to work some things out. And if we can align ourselves with his purposes, um, we can be used for his purpose. I want to I go back to verse 11 of Nehemiah chapter 1 and just read this one more passage from this, from this, from this scripture. Nehemiah 1.11 says this, O Lord, please hear my prayer. Listen to the prayers of those of us who delight in honoring you. Please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Put it into his heart to be kind to me In those days, I was the king's cupbearer. So actually, Nehemiah worked in the palace, and he was the king's cupbearer. What does that mean? That means when it would be dinner time, and they poured the wine into the goblet of the king, before the king took a sip, the cupbearer would drink out of it to make sure it wasn't poisoned, to make sure there was nothing wrong with it, to make sure there was no plot on the king's life. So every time he took a drink for the king, there was a chance that it could be the last one of his life. He was the cupbearer for the king. So God put him in this place to have audience with the king of Babylon. The very king that's ruling over the nation of Israel. It was his job. And I love what he does here in verse 11. He, he is praying for what's going on right now in his location. And he's prayed and he's fasted. He's mourned. He's wept for what's happening in Jerusalem. But he's praying for what's happening in his life right now. What he's facing, his circumstances, where he's at. That he wants God to use him because he served the king. And maybe the miracle that Nehemiah was needed to ask God for was that he could be use him in his situation where he worked and give him favor with the king. And he begins to see something a little bit different. Maybe, just maybe, I was placed here for a purpose. And so how does that affect us? I was talking with one of my friends this morning who's getting ready to make a job change. and Who he's worked for for a couple years. He's he's moving to a, a, I guess you could call it a competitor. And it, it got me thinking in this way. Where you work, whether you love your job, Or you dread your job. Not by accident. But you've probably been placed there by God if you're a follower of his for a purpose. What is that purpose? Maybe it's just to be a great boss or a great employee or to to accomplish something for your family. Maybe that's the, the, the purpose. But maybe the purpose is to shine the light of Jesus in a dark place. Maybe it's to stand up for what's right and to stand up for things that God cares about. see Nehemiah had been placed in the king's palace at just the right time in the nation of Israel. and so here's the lesson for us, and it's just simply this God does something in us so that he can do something through us. We can't waste God's work in our life and I'll, I'll say this and this might be a little bold and this might be a little out there and you may push back a little bit and that's okay, but God doesn't just work in our lives for our benefit just for us to leave it there. In fact, I, I would just say this. If, if, if we just allow God to work in our life and we leave it just with us, we've missed totally what God wants to do. Because he does something inside of us. He does something in us. He changes perspective. He changes heart. He changes desire because he wants to do something through us. Some of the best people that I've ever seen minister most effectively of people are people that have gone through some type of crisis, some type of tragedy, some type of really low point in their life. And God's done something in them in that process. And now they can serve and minister and love on people that are going through similar issues. And it's a beautiful picture that God paints. But listen, you don't have to go through crisis and you don't have to go through tragedy for God to use you. He wants to use you right now for His purposes in this day, in this age, right here where we live on the coast of Mississippi, even though it's 100 degrees every day. So what does that mean for us? I mean, three things really quickly, and then we're going to pray. We need to be available. God, I'm available. How do you want to use me? As you change me, as you work inside of me, as, as I ask questions in my life, as things begin to bother me, maybe about an issue or something that I know bother you, God, I'm available for you to use me how you need to. Then we have to be alert. Alert for opportunities, alert for the promptings of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. And then we have to be ready to go. Whether it's in our home, in our office, uh, with our career, in our relationships, in, in our community, we have to be available. God, use me. Be alert and be ready to go. And here's how the story of Nehemiah starts and it doesn't end because you can, you can read through this book and there's a lot of leadership principles in this book and it's, it's an, an amazing story. But he's prayed all these prayers to God. God, I need your help. God, maybe, maybe I'm in the palace for a reason. He worked for the king. He had access to the king. So he goes to the king one day and the king looks at him and says, Nehemiah, why are you so sad? Why is your face, literally, the Hebrew means, why is your face so long? What's bothering you? What's eating at you? What, what's, what's the problem? And Nehemiah has an opportunity in that moment to begin to tell him about what's happening in his hometown. And, and you, can, you can read the rest of the story, but the brief synopsis is just simply this. Not only does the king say, Nehemiah, I'm going to release you. From being my cupbearer, I'm going to release you from this job to go oversee construction of these walls in this city 600 miles away, but I'm going to pay for it. I'm going, to, I'm going to bring supplies and things that you need to accomplish this. And God had Nehemiah in that place for his purposes to be accomplished in his life that affected thousands and thousands of people. And could it be that God has you exactly where you are right now, maybe in your job, maybe where you live, maybe here on the coast, because He is wanting to use you for His purposes so that His name could be made known, so that He could be glorified, and so that your life could be used in an amazing way for Him. Would you close your eyes with me? God, I pray right now um, that you would help us, Lord Jesus, to see things that you want to do in us, and, and it, that we would not just stop there with God work inside of me, but then we'd say, God, how, how do you how do you want to use me as you work in my life, as you change me, as you mold me, as you help me to grow, as you help me to become a better father and mother, and husband and wife, and sister and brother, and and a better employee, a better boss, a better citizen. God, God as, you, as you as you work those things in me, God, how do you want to use me? I want to be used for your purposes, for your honor and your glory because I know that's your heart for my life. Whether I teach kids or clean gutters or I'm retired, or work at a doctor's office or I'm in the military, God, God you, you desire to use me for your purposes. And I I, I want to be used in that way. God, would you help us that follow you to be reminded that the, the very same God of the Bible, that we read about all these amazing stories with Moses and David and Joshua and Ruth and Zacchaeus, And Paul, God, you are the same God that answered those prayers and that used those men and women in mighty and unbelievable ways. And God, you're not done using people. You're not done using human beings to share the message of Jesus and to make a difference in this world. God, we're desperate for you to use us for your honor and your glory and for your purposes as individuals and as a church. And God, would you do that and would your name be glorified and lifted up? We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you just allow God to speak to your heart in, in these next few moments as Mickey leads us in the song?
1: I'm calling on the God of Jacob, who love endures through generations. I know that you will keep your covenant I'm calling on the God of Moses Who made the shepherd boy courageous I may not fight Goliath But I have my own giants Oh God, my God, I need you Oh God, my God, I need you now How I need you now I oh. I'm standing on your faithfulness, on your faith.
0: God's good. He's good and he's faithful to us. I'm so thankful for that. And he wants to use you. And I, I hope you will ready yourself and step out in faith in a way that honors God and positions you to be used in all the ways that he wants to. Uh, at this time, I'm gonna ask one of our elders, Andre Moulet, to come and has a couple announcements. And would you welcome Andre as he comes?
2: Hey, uh, so good morning, everyone. As you all know, my name is Andre Mule. And yes, uh, thank you, Kevin, for the introduction. I do serve on the Board of Elders with some amazing men. Uh, but I also uh, am part of the youth leadership group here at Hope Church. Uh, and so what I'm going to be talking about over the next couple seconds is just some quick announcements uh, in terms of what we're doing for youth and, and, and some, uh, some times. So just a reminder, today we're going to be having our youth worship team practice so for those students that participate uh, in the youth worship team, uh, we're going pract- to be meeting up today at 3, from 3 to 4 p.m. And then immediately after that, we're going to have a youth night, and that will run from 4 to 5.30 p.m. And uh, over the last couple semesters, we've really been talking about uh, building our relationship with Jesus and, and building our faith. And uh, over this next semester that we started just a couple of weeks ago, uh, we're really focusing on how to be able to defend our faith. So we know that oftentimes we're, we're attacked in, 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 in so many different ways, and, and, and we, we gotta be able to, as part of our mission statement in youth, equip our kids with how to be able to defend our faith. So that's what we're gonna be spending our time over the next several months talking about. And then from there, um, we also wanna just mention that we are gonna be participating in a summer camp, summer camp 2024. We participated in one, Back in 2021, and it's been a couple years, and the kids have just really been, uh, the students, they're not kids, but the students have really been calling on us to to, to do a summer camp. And so we're we're excited to say that we're going to do it next year. And that's going to be from July 8th through the 12th, 2024, and that's going to be in Marshall, Texas. So we'll be driving out there, and uh, we're really excited about that. Uh, So to that point, we're going to have a parent meeting next week. For any, students or who, for any students who are interested in participating in this summer camp, or if you're just interested in knowing a little bit more about what the summer camp is going to be uh, next year, we invite you to come uh, next week immediately after church. We're going to have just a quick huddle, uh, no more than 30 minutes. We recognize that next week is also a picnic at the beach, so we don't want to keep you uh, here too long. But we do want to share with you. What that's going to look like, because if we can start planning for it now, it'll I think make things a little easier for us uh, down the home stretch. And then, uh, lastly, we're going to have youth next week. Uh, but instead of our normal four to five thirty p.m. here at the church, we're actually going to meet at three forty-five next week. And we're going to meet at our house, and we can share the house or we can share our address. Um, many of you already know where I live, but. We'll share it with you through, through uh, the Hope Church app. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be at 345, and the reason for that is we want to be there to participate for a picnic at the park or a picnic at the beach. And uh, we're not able to do that if, if we're meeting at our, at our normal time. So we're going to meet at 345 next week. And uh, lastly, I just want to ask for everyone to just be praying for our students, um, be praying for them over this next school year and over this semester as we talk about defending our faith and also asking for you to pray for our volunteers. They tirelessly uh, come in week in and week out. Uh, we all have struggles. We all have things we deal with. But regardless of what they're going through, they know the calling that God has placed in their heart to serve, for, to serve these kids, these students. Uh, so I ask that you pray for them. And then uh, lastly, I, pray, I ask that you pray for, for opportunity for us to just engage with, with more students, help this ministry grow um, and, and if you have, you know, anyone that might be interested in being a part of youth, just, but, but maybe are, are afraid or, or they don't know what it's like and, and, you know, you know how teenagers can be, I would encourage to get past that and just bring them anyways and, uh, and then leave it, leave it up to God to, to do the rest. So, again, thank you so much for everything. Uh, we, we, we thank you. We love you. And you guys have a great rest of your Sunday. Thank you.